Pentecost, and, and the sound occurred, the crowd came together, and were, uh, they were be- bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Keep going. It says, they were amazed, so this would have been everybody who was gathered at Pentecost, and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galatians? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? So then the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamite residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, blah, blah, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and look at this, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. All these people would have been gathered at um, um, Pentecost when this took place. So then Peter preaches the sermon, you must repent and be baptized. And in verse 41, it tells us that uh, there were 3,000 souls that were added that day. And some of those 3,000 would have been those who were visiting from Rome. These most likely would have been the ones who went back to Rome and planted this church, okay? So that would have been around 30 AD because that's when Christ died. Um, They would have went back 30, 31 AD. 31 to 33 AD is when they would have planted the church. And so what would have happened is this. Emperors, lords of Rome uh, would have changed over time. And in 41 AD, there was a, a, a lord of Rome or an emperor of Rome, and his name was Claudius. When Claudius took over, uh, 49 AD, he made a rule or an edict saying all Jews have to get out of Rome. Why? Because they were fighting about Christ. There were Jewish Christians, and there were Jews, and they were fighting about Christ. Is Christ the real deal? Is Christ not the real deal? Well, you know what? They were causing all kinds of ruckus, and all kinds of problems were happening in Rome. So he said, you know what? I can't tell the difference between the Jewish Christians and the Jews. It's just causing a lot of problems in Rome. All of you have to get out, and since I'm Lord, since I'm Caesar, they had to obey, so they left out. This is, you don't have to just be in your Bible. This shows you how the Bible is really a part of actual history. Did I say U.S. history? I meant history, just world history, all right? I'm sorry. So, so but we see this right here. Paul uh, goes to Corinth, the city of Corinth, in Acts 18. And in Acts 18, it says this. After these things, after he preaches in Athens, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Keep going. It says, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy, Rome specifically, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, right there, that's real history, Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. All right? So this shows you how the Bible actually ties in with history. This shows you where we're at. This would have been about 49 AD. All right, well, Claudius was married to a woman named Agrippina. Agrippina was his fourth wife, and she had a son named Nero, okay? Now, what happens is when Claudius got married to Agrippina, Agrippina had this plan of, like, I'm going to make Nero, I'm going to put him in position to be the the successor, right? So what happens is um, she poisons Claudius in AD 54, Claudius dies, and Nero becomes the new lord or emperor of Rome. Why is that important? Because when Claudius died, so did his edict that all Jews had to be out of Rome. So the, the Jewish uh, Christians came back into Rome and came back to the church in Rome. Well, this is a problem. And let me say this. Let me say, who was here when John Lau was pastor? Can you just raise your hand? One, da, 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 da. Okay. John Lau planted this church. Uh, 2010, mama? 2011? Somewhere around. Jason, 2010? Okay, forget that. All right. 
John planted the church about eight years ago, all right? This church was planted about eight years ago. When I came, there was about 35 people. Now, raise your hand again, those who were here when John Lyle was pastor. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, imagine if for some reason President Trump was like, hey, all of you have to leave. Like, get out this church, go somewhere else. You can't be here. And then you came back to the church today, right? There'd be problems, because you'd be like, hey, we, we didn't do it this way. We, I mean, we do that now, right? We come from another church to this church, a church that we left, and we go, well, we didn't do it that way, and why don't you do it the way my old church did? I'm like, why don't you go back to your old church if that's what you want, right? But, but no, no, but think, but think about this. We do that now. We come from other churches, and we get here, and we're like, well, we didn't do it that way at my old church, or why don't you do it the way we did it in my old church, and things are different, so there's a little bit of tension. But it's the, imagine if this was your church and you planted this church and then you were forced to leave. Why? Because that was Lord of the country and you had to get out of your church and you come back five years later and we've been running it the way that Rashad runs it, not the way John Lau runs it. You're used to what John Lau did and now these philosophies are clashing and some of the beliefs are cr- clashing and this is a problem. This is one of the reasons that Paul was writing this letter, to address those issues within the church, the division that happens. And I think that's vital for us because we are a melting pot of people who come from all backgrounds, all places, all, you know, being brought up in different ways of belief. And we want to surrender just to the Bible. Well, Romans is a great letter to surrender to. But on top of that, he was also writing them because he wanted to go to Spain and he knew that he would need support from the Roman church. So he was writing for that reason, too. These, this, this is the mindset I want you to have, that he was writing actual people who had actual issues. And then apply it to yourself and read it for yourself. If you are looking to get into Bible devotions, read Romans for the next five years. Trust me, it will take you all throughout the entire Bible uh, if you're really doing a good study on it. So uh, these are the reasons that like, I really feel that God has placed it on my heart to open up Romans. And... Uh, we're going to start with Romans 1.1. We're going to start with Romans 1.1. So the name of this sermon series, the first series we're going to do in the book of Romans, is called Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself. And it, it, it's a song that I like that the person says this, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, this is actually excellent. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I see you smiling. Allow me to reintroduce myself. So this is where we're going to start, um, Romans 1.1. And there's four sermons that are going to come out of Romans 1.1. We're going to reintroduce our role, we're going to reintroduce our ruler, we're going to reintroduce our reasons, I mean our responsibility and our reason. It's going to take us four weeks just to go through Romans 1.1. Not every verse is going to be like that, but the first one is going to open up that way. So Romans 1.1 says this, go to the scripture for me. Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. We will not get past the word bondservant today. (laughs) We're going to stay right there. And some of your translations may say servant. Um, Some may say a willing servant. Uh, But what I want to argue today is that all of those translations, uh, from the English perspective, uh, most of them are wrong. And it's funny because the ones that, the translations that most scholars dog, the NLT and the message and the HCSB and the net, they actually get it right. (laughs) They use the word slave. Because that's what the word is. But a lot of English translations, if you're looking at your Bibles, will say bondservant or servant or something that doesn't sound like slave. Why? Because of the U.S. history of slavery. Uh, Blacks, Africans, enslaved to the white man and the things that come with that and all the nastiness and negativity that comes with that. We don't want to see that word slave 
in our Bibles, but why not? Why not? Because that's what the word is. And I want to take a a moment today to just walk through some Greek. So if you're taking notes, this is going to be kind of heavy. But we're going to walk through some Greek to show that when Paul chose the word doulos, say doulos. Doulos. When Paul chose the word doulos, he chose it specifically for a reason. He could have chose many words that meant servant, but he chose doulos. And therefore, when we see that, we are being reintroduced to what our true role is. So today, we are looking at me reintroducing our role. Allow me to reintroduce our role. So the first word, and we're going to be jumping around scripture here. Stay with me. Um, I got my my phone number and my email address. uh, Put that up for me real quick, Leah. Uh, If you can't see it over there, you, I mean, let me back up. The reason I'm putting this up is for this. During this journey, there will be questions Um, There'll be thoughts, all kinds of stuff. The beauty of a smaller church is you have access to me. You don't have to go through a whole lot of things to get to me. You have access to your deacons. You have access to Pastor Jason. You have access to ask the questions that you've probably been sitting on for years in the church, not asking, and therefore you don't know what you believe. Why? Because you're afraid to ask or you don't know who to ask. Here's my information. Text me, email me, Facebook me, but don't be the person that comes over the next five years um, to church and, and you don't know nothing at the end of this because you were scared to ask, because you didn't understand it, because you felt it went over your head. I will bring this down as low as I can, but if you need some one-on-one time, then let's do it. This is what discipleship is. So I don't want excuses, and I'm putting my information out there. All, the deacons who are here and the care leaders, their information is available. And then there's others who are here, like Nick Mendenhall, for example, uh, Doug Witt, that, that you can ask questions to regarding this information. Don't walk out of here saying that was just too much for me and it went over my head, so whatever. I, that's, we can't do that, all right? If we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's actually learn uh, what we actually believe. So uh, I want to introduce you first to the word pice. Pice. Everybody say pice. All right, go to my next slide, Leah. Uh, Pice is used 24 times in the New Testament. Uh, It's used as servant sometimes, but it could also be a young boy or a son. You could be a Pice. You could be a Pice. You could be a Pice. Ryan, you could be a a Pice. So a Pice, not every Pice was a slave. A Pice could be a slave, but not every Pice was a slave. Leah, give me my next slide. Um, Right here in Acts 3.13, it says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his pice, Jesus, the the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of uh, Pilate when he had decided to release him. So when you're reading this in your versions, you may even have a little sub note that says, not only could this be translated servant, but it might be his son, Jesus, because Pice wasn't just the word servant, it also meant son. But also, go to the next slide, Leah, in Acts 20, there was a young man named Eutychus who was sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep, and as Paul kept on talking, so this is kind of like y'all to be doing when I'm preaching, like y'all be falling asleep, but now imagine me preaching while you're sitting on a windowsill on like the second story of a building, right? So if you're dozing off, um, He was overcome by sleep. The young boy Eutychus was overcome by sleep while Paul was preaching, and he fell down from the third floor. Oh, I thought second floor. Third floor and was picked up dead. Keep going. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled, for his life is in him. He said, when he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. So he kept talking. That's just like me. All right. And then, look, they took away the pice alive. 
and were greatly comforted. So that word pais means boy. It's, it's, it, he wasn't a slave just because he fell out of a windowsill, right? No, he was, he was a boy. So it could be servant, it could be boy, but pais is a word that Paul could have chose that he didn't choose for a specific reason. It doesn't describe what he is when it comes to Christ. The next word I want to introduce you to is oiketes. Say oiketes. All right, we learned a little bit of Greek today. All right, we learned a little bit of Greek, so go to my next slide. Oiketes is used four times. It's a, sla- a slave could fall under this category, but others who are not slaves could fall under this category as well. Not every oiketes was a slave. So oiketes comes from our base word oikos. Um, sometimes when I'm talking to you guys, I'm like, hey, make sure you're influencing your oikos, those who are within your household. And not everybody, in your, well, nobody should have a household with any slaves today, right? Like, okay, all right. So, but family members were a part of your oikos. Um, hired servants were a part of your oikos, as well as slaves were a part of your oikos. Oiketes was like a household uh, servant. Um, It could be somebody who was hired, who's not a slave necessarily, or it could be somebody who was a slave but was a part of the household uh, slavery instead of being out in the different areas of slavery. And this is all, this is how they process this in the culture. This is what it meant to them. So, next slide, Leah. Um, There was a man, uh, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. This is in Acts 10, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his oikos, his household, okay? And it says, and he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some man to Joppa and send for a man named Simon who was also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, uh, whose house is by the sea. So look at this. When the, angel, uh, when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his oiketas, his household servants. They don't, it doesn't mean they were necessarily slaves. They could have just been hired workers. It doesn't mean slaves. And a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. Uh, so that's where oiketas fall, falls in. Um, Paul didn't use that word either when he introduced himself. He didn't use opais, he didn't use oiketas. The next word I want to introduce you to is diakonos. Say diakonos. Stay with me now. Uh, allow me to reintroduce this word. Diakonos is used 30 times in the Bible. It's translated 20 times as a minister, 7 times as a servant, 3 times as deacon. And diakonos has nothing to do with slavery. Deacons who are here, raise your hand please. These are diakonos. They're not slaves. They're servants. They're ministers. They are willingly serving and uh, giving their time. Um, It's also a word that could be used for like a waiter, like waiting tables. So go to my next verse here in John 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Some of you are familiar with this. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus uh, said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, that does not have to do with us. My, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the diakonos, whatever he says to you, do it. They weren't slaves. They were, they were servants at the time. They were waiting the tables in a sense. Paul didn't use that word when he introduced himself. There's a reason for this. So I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. The next word I want to use is uh, therapon. Say therapon. 
y'all just dying. Say Tadapon. Like, <laughs> all right, go to the next. So Tadapon is used only once in the Bible. In the book of Hebrews, it denotes an attendant or like a manager in a sense, like a friend who's a manager of something you've entrusted them with. So if I'm like, hey, Corey, uh, take my iPad home and keep it for me while I'm away, then he becomes like the, the, a friend who I've entrusted something with to watch over, and he's serving by, uh, by watching over that. So it's one who does the task given to him by another. One could be a slave who is also a therapon, but one could also be a therapon and not be a slave once again. He didn't use this. Let's go to Hebrews 3, 5 real quick. It says, now Moses was faithful in all his house as a therapon, a servant, for a testimony of those uh, things which were later to be spoken. So Moses wasn't a slave. He was simply somebody who had been entrusted uh, with God's house, in a sense, because he led the Israelites. He was a therapon. Paul didn't use this word when he introduced himself. So go to my next uh, thing. Now let me introduce you to the word doulos. Say doulos. Let's go and find out something about this word. It is used 128 times in the New Testament. In the NASB, my favorite, uh, 98 times is translated slave, 23 times bond servant, four times bond slave, one time servant. But in most translations, 120 times, doulos is translated servant. Think about that. This is heavy. This is heavy, and a lot of it is because, and, and here's the thing, even in the NASB, which I love, when they say slave for doulos, it's when Jesus is talking with his parables, and it's an obvious slave. But whenever, like, James or uh, Paul or Jude introduce themselves as a doulos, the English translation says servant. Whenever uh, it's like, hey, as Christians, we should be a doulos of Christ, the English translation will say servant, 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 because they're afraid people are going to be like, oh, oh, it's the S word, slave. Why would, I'm not a slave, right? Like that, 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 that rubs me wrong. You don't understand to say slave, all the, all the stuff that that brings and puts on my heart. And I'm saying when you remove that word, you remove what Paul is trying to say. And it's dangerous. So we go to the, the next slide I got here. Doulos has a much stronger meaning than just choosing to serve. Um, uh, we, we normally hear about the, in Exodus 21, if you served seven years as a, as a slave or a hired servant or somebody who put yourself into, into slavery, uh, you should be freed on the seventh year. But if you wanted to stay, you could nail your ear to the doorpost and say, I love my master so much that I'm a bond servant. I, I've earned my freedom because I did my seven years, right? But now I love my master so much, I willingly want to serve him. That is not, that's, first of all, that's Hebrew. Secondly, uh, that is not doulos. Because you know what? Nobody in here has earned their freedom. Seven years, 14, you haven't earned your freedom, so you're not willingly giving your freedom to God. You're not a bond servant in, in, in the context of Exodus 21. And so many people take that text and bring it to doulos and say, look, when Paul says this, he's saying, I'm willingly giving my freedom up for you. You were never free. You were never free. You're not willingly giving anything to, you're never free to begin with to give your freedom up. So uh, 
To be a doulos is to say that someone has ownership of you. And this is where it sucks in America. Excuse my language. But this is where, like, America is horrible because we're the land of the free. We're the land, we're the land of the free. I'm free. I can do what I want to. Doulos is to, to say that you are the doulos of someone is to say they own you. They, contr- they own you. You have no say. They own you. And Christians do not live that way. Christians do not live as if they are owned by Christ. Christians live as if they're not going to hell because they said something and can do whatever they want to do now. This, this, is, what we, this is what we think doulos means. I said something that my pastor told me to say, or maybe I prayed something. I went in some water, I came up wet, and now I'm going to do what I want to because I just didn't want to go to hell. But, but that is not the word. Or, this, or we do this. We, we treat it as if we applied for a job and we were hired, and if we don't like the boss, master, we can quit whenever we want to because we don't like what he did. Or we don't like what, what he's in control of, or, or we don't like the way he did something. Or, so we quit, and we, or, or we don't have to pay attention. We could cut corners because, you know, he's lucky that he hired me. I'm such a good employee. That's, not, that's a hired servant. That's not a slave. And that's why servant is such a dangerous word. Because you're not the hired servants of Christ. You didn't fill out some application and get hired, and therefore, when things don't go your way, you can just quit your job. I was talking to Brittany, and back in 2003, 2004, I had so many jobs that I had double-digit W-2s. Yeah, that's like 10-plus jobs, and I had to turn all these, you know, you got paid per W-2. Like, we owed money because I had so many W-2s. But it was because every job I went to back then, I was like, man, they don't own me. They got me out here working like a slave. I quit. I quit every job because as soon as my boss told me to do something I didn't want to do or as soon as the job got too hard, I just quit because I got the freedom to quit. That's not a slave. That's not what a slave is. So you, you, when you're a doulos, uh, you have a curios, a master, a lord. It, one can't exist without the other. When we tell you to confess Christ is Lord, when we say to, do you believe Jesus is Lord, we're telling you to call yourself a slave, not a servant, not a Christian, not a church member, a slave. I'm asking you to be a slave, an actual slave. And don't nobody like that. Why? It's my body. I can cry if I want to. I can do what I want to do. I can eat, right? Like, I'm free. And and I was free before Christ, surely I'm free in Christ. But you weren't free. You were never free. So so think about this right here. In Rome, there were a couple of ways that you could become a slave. You lost a battle, right? So you're a prisoner of war. Hey, we, we were in this country, Rome came in, they demolished us, and they took us as slaves, so you would be a slave. Um, you... You couldn't support yourself, so you sold yourself into slavery. That was another way. But one of the key ways of becoming a slave was this. Your parents were slaves, so when you were born, you were a slave. And you belong to the Lord of your parents, period. Now think about this. Just, just, just fathom this real quick. 
Go back to Adam and Eve, okay? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they became a slave to sin. Everybody in this room is a descendant from Adam and Eve. So your parents, your parents' parents, your parents' parents' parents, I don't care if you're blonde hair, blue-eyed, or if you got black hair and brown skin, you are a slave to sin when you're born. Why? Because your parents were slaves to sin. You see how that works? So everybody is born into slavery and, and, and sin. Every one of you. We're born sinners. We're born into slavery of sin. You were never free. You were never free. So what about this whole, well, Jesus freed me. I'm free in Christ, right? You're free to be a slave to Christ. You're never free. There is no, okay, I was a slave under this household, and Jesus freed me, but I'm just going to stop about right here and just do my own thing. I'm a free, I'm, 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 I'm ooh, I'm. Kevin Durant, I'm a free agent, right? Like something like that. Like, like I'm not in your house, Lord. I'm not in your house, uh, sin, Satan. I'm, I'm right here doing my own thing. No, no, no. To not be in the Lord's house is to be in sin's house. Period. So doulos is the word he chose. And it's funny because we act like that is a bad word, but this is the word Jesus chose. Give me my next slide, Leah. Um, When you look at this book, this is Matthew 24. Jesus is talking. He says, who then is the faithful and sensible doulos, slave, whom his kyrios put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? He says, blessed is that slave, doulos, whom his kyrios finds finds so doing when he comes home. He says, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is Jesus talking. Basically looking at you and these are my, this is what, a Christian walk is. You are a slave to righteousness, a slave to Christ, a slave to God, not this hired servant that can pick up and quit when he wants to. If that's the case, then you were never his slave. You were never his. He never owned you to begin with. You were a hypocrite. So, so miss me with that, oh, it's gotten tough, so I'm going to do what I want to do now. In real Roman slavery... If the master was a bad master, it didn't change the fact that he was your master. If he was a good master, it didn't change the fact that he was, it didn't matter how he treated you or what he allowed in your life. You belong to him because he bought you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. You were a slave to sin. You were in the household of sin. Sin was your master. What do you want to call it? Sin. You want to call it porn, adultery. You want to call it Satan. You call it what you want to. You were a slave to something opposite of God, okay? And you, and, and you, you really, you thought you were making your own decisions. You thought you were making your own choices. But in all honesty, sin was ruling over you. 
Sin was mastering you. You're, you're fornicating. You're having sex outside of marriage. You're, you're smoking all the dope you want. You're breaking all the laws that you want to do. You're doing whatever you want to do, saying, I'm free. But in actuality, you're enslaved to sin. Christ dies on the cross so that he can free you from this house. When he dies on that cross, what he paid with his blood, with his life, bought you. It bought you. Not to be free and do what you want. No, no, no. Uh, the only way slaves could transfer homes is if they were bought. The only way they could get out the home they were in is if, the, if they were bought at a ransom and brought into another home. So when Christ died on the cross, he bought you and placed you into his home to be a slave under him. You don't like it because you don't like the word slave, but that's so American of you. So now, now, now look at your life, okay? I shouldn't have to have you sign a piece of paper that says, hey, if you're going to be a leader of Church on the Rock, your Facebook doesn't belong to you. Your Facebook shouldn't belong to you to begin with. Hey, husbands, wives, love your wife like Christ led a church. Why? Because he said so. Amen. Submit to your husbands. Why? Because he said so. I'm so sick of Christians saying, I don't understand why I have to insert Bible verse. He's your Lord. That's why. See, you don't get slavery. You're so free that you don't get it. You got to go back to who these people were when they were being written to. And they, one third of the population were slaves. Two thirds had been a slave at one time. So, so today, there's 300 billion something people. 100 billion would be slaves. And 200 billion would be able to say, well, I've been a slave at one point. They knew what it meant to be a doulos, to be controlled, to be ruled. You've been free for so long in America that you think you own you and can still be a Christian. It doesn't work that way, boo-boo. It does not work that way. You can't come in here and say what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, and then go out here on Facebook and post whatever you want to post or go out here and screw whoever you want to screw, smoke whatever you want to smoke. You don't own you. You do not own yourself. If you're a real Christian. So stop asking me, well, why do I got it? Because the Bible says it. I'm not giving any directions. I'm looking at the Bible and saying, well, hey, sis, uh, the Bible says this, so I know that you're going through it, but you need to stick this out. Hey, bro, I know she's getting on your nerves, but the Bible says this. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm telling you what the one you call Lord said to do, but I'm the bad guy. Shoot the messenger, Right? Because I come to you in your time of grief, and I, and, I, and I grieve with you, but I point you to God. And then God says this, no matter the persecution, no matter this, no matter that, still be this, still be that. And you're like, no, why do I have to do that? Because you called him Lord? I mean, didn't you call him Lord? Well, yeah, but no, that's it. He owns you. He owns you. Period. And honestly, that's where the freedom is. You're sitting here, you're trying to figure out, do I do this? Do I do that? How about you just read your Bible and figure out what he wants you to do? Think about that. The, well, should I, should I blah, 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 should I blah, 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 all this anxiety, I don't know what to do. Mama, I don't know what to do. All this. Well, hey, son, just read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible says do it this way. All right, well, because it's my Lord, I don't have to make that decision. I'm not free to make my own decision. I'm going to do what the Lord says to do. He's the king. 
He's the Lord. He's the ruler. He's the Kyrios. So stop confessing Christ as Lord if you don't want to be owned by him. I mean that. This is where we're starting. When Paul opens up this letter, he says, Paulos, that's his name, doulos, slave. This is how he introduces him. This man wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. The, the bald-headed, bow-legged gospel minister walking around. I mean, this is Paul. He, so many things he could have been conceited and cocky about. He could have put Paul, you know, PhD, Paul, manager of this, own my own business, CEO, whatever you want to say. And he says, slave. How do you introduce yourself? How do you see yourself when you go to make that post on, on, on Facebook that you know you ain't got no business posting? When you're sleeping with somebody you know you ain't got no business sleeping with? When you're watching something you know you ain't got no business watching? If you lived in Rome in that time, that could be your life. There are consequences to those things because your Lord owned you. So you call Christ Lord and then you do what you want to do. Well, then you're just looking for a savior. You just, you just want to get out of hell free card. That's all you want. You don't actually want a Lord. You don't want Christ as your Lord. And you, and, and you will not understand the remainder of this letter if you don't get that part down. So what happens is this. Um, Leah, uh, jump, jump to um, John 15 for me real quick. Should be the next one, actually, yeah. Even because people are like, well, Rashad, I'm also a friend of Christ, a friend of Christ, right? Yeah, you are. Like, slave is, is one vital point, but there's other, you're, you're a servant, you're a friend, you're all those things. But look at this. Look, look at what he says. Christ says, this is my commandment. That's slave talk. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Rashad, why do I got to love the person that, because Christ says so. It ain't just my vision for the church that we're the loving. No, no. Christ said love, so you need to love. That's the basic church. This is my commandment that you love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now look at this. Keep going. Keep going. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Like, Dave, what if I went over to you and I was like, hey, bro, you want to be boys? Let's be boys. All right. But you got to do what I tell you to do. You know, what kind of friend? Right? Like, what kind of friendship is that? But this is what Jesus is saying to you. You are my friend if you obey me. You ever had a friend like that? Were you like, I'd be like, deuces? Like, seriously? But this is what Jesus is saying to you. You are my friend if you do what I tell you to do. If you don't do what I tell you to do, you're not my friend, and I never owned you. I never knew you. You're, you're, miss, you're, you're missing this part of it because we don't like the word slave. But that's what, that's what, to be called a slave of Christ is better than being called king of the world. To be called a slave of Christ is better than being called president of the United States. To be called slave of Christ is better than any other title that you could have here on earth. Doulos of Christ, owned by Christ, because you get all the benefits of belonging to him when you're owned by him. You don't get benefits if you ain't in the household. This stuff don't apply to you if you ain't in the household. So, so um, real quick. The, the free out of Christ, free in Christ. Give me the Romans 6. Look on there, Leah. should have Romans 6. I'm going to start closing this up. Um, in Romans 6, and we're going to get there, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I want you to see this. For sin, this is, what, this is what Paul says, sin shall not be your kyrios, your Lord, your, your owner. It, it should not master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. He goes on, he says, what then? And this is like a, 
hypothetical question. It's like people responding to that and saying, well, if that's the case, then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? He says, no, may it never be. He goes on, he says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as doulas, slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? So whatever you obey, that's what you're a doulas to. You you, you don't want to do right by your husband, by your wife? You are a slave to sin. You want to have sex outside of marriage? You are a slave to sin. You want to drink to the point of being drunk and toe up from the floor? You are a slave to sin. You want to eat until you can't feel yourself? Like, like you are a slave. Like, all, those are the, God says, no. If you belong to me, you won't do these things. Because I own you, because you don't have control of yourself. But more and more and more, people are getting divorced. More and more and more, people are raising their kids any old way they want to. More and more and more, they're doing whatever they want to do. Why? Because they're not slaves. They're not slaves. I don't have to go and gather with people at church. Why? Because I don't like the church people. Okay, but God says gather. So are you gathering anywhere? No, I don't have to. I'm just... I'm spiritual. I believe in Christ, but I don't need Christ's people. All right, then you're not a slave. But they treat me like this. I don't care. How did they treat real slaves? This is, the, this is what the context of it all. You have to know that this is the historical context. So he, he says, either you're a slave of sin resulting in death. In other words, you're either a slave of this household, and this is the result of being in this household, death. Or you're a slave of this household. And the, 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 the result of being in this household is righteousness. He goes on and he says, um, go to the next slide for me, Leah. But thanks be to God that uh, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, freed from here, you were over here, you've been freed. Hey, um, I want that slave. I, I want to buy him with my life. I'm going to die to buy Adam. Come here. I bought you, bro. Sorry, Todd. He's mine. All right. <laughs> and, and look, free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You are now over here with the righteous house. All right? And I, <laughs> right, right. And, and to do this, I gave my life. So you belong to me. You belong to me, bro. Why are you still going by the rules of that house? That don't make no sense to me. Especially, not just that you belong to me because I bought you, but I died for you. That it wasn't pesos or, and pennies and dollars. It, it was my life. So why are you still doing what they do in that household when I gave you my life so that you could be over here where you have righteousness and, and, and liberty and all these things in this household? Why are you still going by their rules? Is that where you want to be? N no. What an act like it. Act like it. That, that's not towards you. I'm sorry. I, I got real. <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. They might think some type of way. No. But, but that's what it looks like. I died to bring you out of the house that, want, that wants nothing but harm for you. Satan doesn't love you. Sin doesn't care about you. Your little 15-minute fixes over here are not worth eternity. They're not worth eternity. So I died to bring you out of that house. You don't want to forgive somebody when I died to bring you out so that you could forgive? Are you serious? Are you serious? 
You're going to keep living by the rules of this household when I died to bring you out of it. Why? Because somebody stepped on your toes? Huh? Somebody said something about you? Somebody hurt your feelings? I don't want to be insensitive to anybody and anything that you're going through. But let me tell you, let me tell you this. The things I have heard and come across that have been said about me in this community, in this church, in this world, in this life, I should have quit a long time ago, but I'm a slave. I'm a slave. The things that have been said about my wife, my daughter, the things that have been said about my church. Every time we post, porta potties aren't here, and we don't have, somebody's got something slick to say. Pastor friends got something slick to say, but I'm a, I'm a slave to Christ, so I keep loving them. Knowing that they've talked about me, having actual evidence and proof of what they said about me and my church family and my friends, and I still love them with everything I got because I'm owned by Christ. The moment you can't forgive them or love them, you're owned by sin. Make your choice. I choose Christ. So here's the thing. Go, uh, Leah, go to the next red slide you see. The master-slave relationship is the key to unlocking the definition of being a Christian. The sooner you understand the master-slave relationship in Roman culture, the, the curios doulos relationship in Roman culture, you will have the key to unlocking the definition of what it means to be a Christian. So here's my next question. Go. Um, I want to do something different called rock responses going forward, where I'm actually giving you something to work on this week so that you're not just hearing a sermon and going. This is where you grow. Being completely honest with myself, this week I will answer this question. Is Jesus Christ truly Lord, curious of my life? Write that down. Text it to yourself. Take a picture of it. Do something. I want you to do that this week. This week I want you to actually go home and constantly ask yourself in every decision you make, is Jesus Christ actually the ruler, the master, the Lord of my life? Not, not my spouse's life, because this is what we do. Well, yeah, he's the master of my life, but my spouse did this, so because my spouse did that, I'm doing it. No, no. Is he the master of your life? Not your kid's life, not your boss's life, your life. Next up, I will take time this week to identify the areas of my life that are being mastered or lorded by someone or something other than Christ. I want you to actually do that this week, to take time and look as you're going through life. And when you lose that battle or when you fall under slavery to something else, actually identify it so we can attack it, so we can go back and win. Who, who haven't you forgiven? And who, who do you not plan on forgiving this week? Acknowledge it. I got somebody on my heart right now. Right now, that I'm still like, yeah, that ain't happening this week. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to bring it before a brother who, who holds me accountable, and I'm going to tell him why I can't do it. And he's going to say, so Jesus is not Lord of that area, and it's going to hurt. And if I'm, if I'm really receiving and listening to him, I'm going to repent and turn and go the other way. I'm praying that I can do that, but you need to acknowledge the areas of your life that are being mastered by somebody else or something else. Maybe you're a slave to food. Maybe you're a slave to alcohol, slave to weed, slave to porn. Whatever it is, identify it so that we can together attack it. And then third, going forward, I will live in a manner that displays Christ as my Lord and myself as his doulos, his slave. Starting now, 
I'm going to make decisions in my marriage, in my parenting, in my workplace, in my church, in my, in my church home, in my community, in every, of my, every, area, every area of my life. I'm going to live in a way that says, Christ, you own me, and I'm doing whatever you want me to do. Once again, I know the word slave is very sensitive, but it wasn't sensitive to them. It was a way of life when Paul wrote this. And I showed you four other words he could have chose that he could have used. Here's the unique thing about doulos. There's no other translation for it. There's nothing else that you can use. You can't say anything else about a doulos. When he used that word, they knew exactly what he was talking about. There was no, well, maybe he means this, maybe he means that. No, he meant slave, period. English translations have determined, hey, let's make it servant because slave will make people mad. Well, I'm not worried about making people mad. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, um, there's a stand-up comedian. He was like, oh, this dude told me to call him precious or delicious or something like that. He said, I'm not calling him delicious. I'm going to call him what his mama called him, right? It, they want you to say servant, bond servant. I'm not going to say bond servant. I'm going to call it exactly what the word is, slave. You are called to be a slave of Christ. That is a part of being a Christian. So as we get ready to close out and we get ready to sing King of My Heart, correct, Ty? That's what we're singing today. As we get ready to sing King of My Heart, I want you to think about that song. Think about the words of that. The king of my heart, the ruler of my heart, the ruler of my life. And what I love about that song is this. It says, you are good, right? You're good, you're good, you're so good. What determined the treatment of a slave was his master. So we have a good master, a good Lord, a good king who, who, who wants you um, for good reasons, to love you. He gave his life for you. Um, it's completely different than any other master that you would know. And if you can't get past that word, then you're going to miss a lot. When we get to Romans 6, you're going to completely miss it because you're offended by the word slave. Um, but this is, this is the ground, like this is the foundation of how Paul reintroduced himself to this Roman church. Paul, slave. Slave. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking anybody here who, who has not made that confession, that profession, that Christ is Lord, I'm asking that you pray on this. But if you do decide to make that decision today, now you know why you're making it, to allow Christ to rule your life. If you're not there, that's fake. To come to me and say, I accepted Christ as Lord, and then have no intentions on actually letting him lord your life, that's not real. That's not real. You're not really confessing him as Lord. You confess it with your life. So we want you to make that decision, but we want you to know what you're getting into because a lot of people just want to go on Facebook and say, hey, at Church in the Rock, we had 10 people confess Christ as Lord. We don't care if they do anything right or not. We just want to show the world that, look, we're growing. And it's like, no, you're not. You just got 10 more church attenders. We want actual disciples of Christ, slaves of Christ attending Church on the Rock. We want people who are willing to commit their lives to the Lord in their marriages, in their workplaces, in their communities, because when you do that, that's when we change the world. That's when we change the world. So if you're not there yet, please pray through that, think through that about letting Christ have his way with your life. And if you are a believer, if you do consider yourself a doulos of Christ, then, then, then be consistent across the board. Don't compartmentalize him. Give him 
every area of your life because he owns you. Amen? Let's stand up and sing.
Sorry. So uh, I want to close out with this. Um, after a sermon like this, I'm hoping that you're challenged and excited for the journey we're about to take. We're not playing games with this. I'm praying you're taking notes, listening to it more than just on Sunday. But I'd never want to, to remind you of this. As you accept Christ and are willing to give yourself over as a slave to his lordship, when you fall short, that's where grace covers you, okay? Um, I don't want you to think I'm looking at you and telling you, you got to figure out how to be perfect, okay? I'm not doing that. I just told you I'm struggling to forgive somebody today. Actually, today, after all the studying, I'm still struggling. Grace covers me as I continue to strive for that. When you believe in Christ sincerely as Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is doing the work inside of you to sanctify you, meaning to send you in the right direction and to perfect you for the kingdom. So I'm still here and like perfection's way down here and, and, and I'm still learning, I'm still growing. Please don't take my excitement, passion, tone sometimes as me trying to like hammer a gavel down as if this is too much for you and you can't do this. That is never my intentions. And if you know my story and know my style, that is not how I pastor a church. I'm very honest about my vulnerabilities and my failures. What I'm asking you to do, though, is not be the fake Christian, the hypocritical Christian that calls Jesus Christ Lord and then willingly disobeys him because you just don't care. There's a difference between practicing sin and falling into sin. I'm asking you not to practice sin, not to live willingly under the, the rule in the house of sin and instead live in the house of righteousness, knowing that when, when you fail, this master doesn't beat you. He loves you and covers you. That's what I'm trying to, to get across with the word doulos this, this morning. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an amazing service. We thank you because uh, you are good. Father, thank you for Paul taking the time to write this letter for all the different reasons he did and, and putting, identifying himself as a slave of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're so thankful for what you sent him here to do, to die for us, to free us from being enslaved in sin and in the bondage of, of the prince of this dark place and, and to give us life and life abundantly, Father, and access to eternal life through him. Father, I ask that there's people here that actually will take advantage of that free gift. Father, may my teaching over the next four, five, six years, Father, be brought low enough that people actually get it. And when they don't, may they have access to not only myself, but the other leaders here, and not even just this church, to other people who will guide them towards you. Our responsibility is to share the gospel, Father, and to teach what your son Jesus has commanded us to do. That's all we want to do. No gimmicks, no games, Father, just all for your glory and for your gospel. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, this Thursday we have Bible study. I will be going deeper on what we had. So if you want more than what we have on a Sunday, please come to Bible study. Other than that, go out and be a doulos for Christ. Have a great one. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www dot churchontherockbb.com